Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. I have to say, that's like the coolest transition music we've ever had for a series. I'm not near cool enough for that music. I can just tell you that right now. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to continue a series we started last week called Sever Anxiety. We're talking about anxiety last week and this week because it is such a huge epidemic issue in our country today. Over 40 million Americans have been diagnosed, identified as people that are suffering from anxiety. And I believe the number is way, way, way higher of people that have never been identified or diagnosed with it. People all the time that deal with the symptoms of anxiety, whether it's fear, worry, stress, chronically, you live with that all the time, you have a hard time sleeping, you feel the physical manifestations of just being stressed a lot of your life. This is why we're talking about it, because so many people struggle with this issue. It's you, it's people that you love, and I'm hoping that some of the things we talked about last week and this week can be helpful for you. They can provide a roadmap to say, okay, here's how we proceed forward. This is not a quick fix. This is not something that just flip a switch and you're going to be over it. That's not how it works. It's just like most biblical principles. It takes time and discipline to put them into practice and continue to do them and not give up. Just like fitness or anything else, it's going to take time. It's a process. But this is such a personal and, and really... Um, moving issue for Leslie, my wife Leslie and I, because it is something that she has struggled with for well over a decade. And I shared a little bit about it last week that um, when it first came on, it was for her, it was something where she didn't know what was happening in her body. And maybe you've had, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I describe this. Her heart would begin to race. She would feel nauseous. She would feel pain in her neck, lightness in the head. She had a hard time catching her breath tightness in her chest, her arm would get numb, her hand would get numb. It was like she was having a heart attack. And as I shared last week, many medical professionals that have studied this would say, yeah, it's frighteningly similar to a heart attack when you're having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. So if you're having these symptoms, do not go home and say, well, Pastor Will said, it's just a, it's just a panic attack. And then something horrible happens. Go get it checked out. That's what we did for Leslie and found out this is not a heart attack, but the symptoms were almost identical. It was a panic attack. And she started the process of a um, you know, a, a process of how do I deal with this and how do I get out of this? And that's really what we shared last week was sort of five steps that God had really shown Leslie that were really effective for her. And, and if any or all of those are helpful for you, wonderful. If you find other things that are helpful, wonderful. But I really want to, through this series, is to show you that my goal is to show you um, tools from the teaching of Jesus that will help you to win this battle on the spiritual front. Like this 
ultimately, deep down, is a spiritual battle that has spilled over into a lot of different areas that may have to be addressed in a lot of different ways. But one of the key issues that is not going away, that medication or anything else is going to be able to deal with, is the deep down spiritual issue in our hearts. And that's what we're going to be talking about today once again. And if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go to brazosfellowship.com, our website, and look under the watch section of our page and click on this Sever Anxiety um, uh, message from last week and look at what we shared because I think it could be a huge help to you if this is something that you deal with. And today we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week we looked at the teaching of Jesus where He gave a command. This command was to fear not. It seems like an unrealistic command to make of people. Like, who could actually keep that all the time? But that command became possible when we look at it through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, what seemed impossible now is possible. And same with this week. We're going to look at another command of Jesus that when you look at it, you're going to say, this even seems more unrealistic than last week. I'm just going to tell you up front. But when we look at it through the lens of what Jesus pulled off, when He resurrected, it proved that He was and is who He said He was. And now, all of a sudden, things that we thought were completely impossible, things that He asked of us, now become a reality that can be, become possible in our life. But here's the command we're going to grapple with this week, and we're going to look at what did Jesus actually say about this issue, because it is where a lot of the anxiety that we feel comes from, and He's going to show us what to do about it. Here's the command. Do not worry. Do not worry. Like, some of you are thinking, can He even command that? That doesn't even seem realistic, right? But we're going to look at, right in the middle of one of His most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is going to teach for nine verses about this critical issue that not just us, but every generation that's ever existed of the human race has dealt with this in some way, shape, or form. And Jesus is going to show us how do we deal with it in our life today. So in Matthew chapter 6, the, the Sermon on the Mount starts in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 and goes all the way through the end of chapter 7. So this is right in the middle, middle of chapter 6. Here's what Jesus says, and I'd like for you to read the highlighted words with me, if you would, when we get to them. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry, wow, that's great, about your life, what you will eat or drink, and about your body and what you will wear. Now, I had you say the word will, not because it's my name, but because, because he's talking about what is going to happen. Our worry, by and large, I mean, Jesus cuts right to the chase. Here's where the, the big issue with worry is. It's about later. It's about tomorrow. It's about the future. It's what could happen. It's the hypotheticals and the what-ifs that just eat us up. And, and plague us much of the time. And Jesus is trying to help us to see that is not where life is lived. It, it, is, it is not about the future. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was talking to his, this, his audience, most of them were at or below the poverty line. So what they were going to eat and drink and what they were going to wear was a huge issue, was a real, valid, legitimate issue. And he's trying to help them to see, listen, um, what you eat and drink, that is not what your life is all about. And I want to get you to rethink your whole approach to this. Verse 25, he says this. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, 
Is your life, isn't your life more than what you worry about? Isn't it? Like ultimately, the thing that you say that drives your life, this is the purpose of your life, the meaning that gives your life meaning, it's more than just the things that you worry about. Because your life is really about right now. What's happening here? You said you're the best the best version of your life is when you are living it present in this moment, not constantly worried about the future moments and what's going to happen down the line. As a matter of fact, for those of you who have people in your life that are older than you, maybe a mentor of yours, maybe, maybe even grandparents, have you ever sat down and just got like gut level honest and told your grandparents what you worry about the most, right? Some of you may say, oh, my grandparents aren't alive. Well, if you find somebody... That's, that's that age, and you sit down with them and share. Here's like ultimate, like the thing that dominates my thoughts the most. Here's what I, I'm worrying about all the time. They would probably say, sweetheart, you need to stop worrying about some of that stuff. It, they might even laugh at you and say, I remember doing the same thing. I wasted so much time worrying about stuff. It didn't make one bit of difference. It didn't change anything. It didn't make any, any kind of improvement in our life. And what's interesting is that the longer we live and the more experience we have with life, we come to this conclusion of saying, we worry about way too much that really doesn't make any difference. As a matter of fact, I, I was having lunch with a friend recently who's a little bit older than me. His kids are out of the house. And I asked him about, how has your perspective changed now that the kids have moved out and things are different for you and your wife? And he said, honestly, the thing that's changed for me is I worry about a whole lot less now. And he said, and my biggest regret is that I didn't come to this conclusion sooner. I wish I had been in this space, in this place, spiritually, when the kids were smaller, when they were little. I think I'd have been more engaged daddy. I would have probably been a better husband. I'd probably have been a lot more fun. I wouldn't have been so stressed out about my career and how we're going to pay for things and all the stuff that just dominated my thoughts all the time. And I was worried about it all the time. I'm telling you, Jesus is helping us to see here that like, your life is more than what you worry about. He goes on to say in verse 26, I love this. He says, look at the birds of the air, to which you're probably saying, yeah, okay, thanks, Jesus. Who's got the time to do that, right? We're going to look at it. I want to just point out the fact, this is not a suggestion. This is Jesus' command. He says, I want everybody to be a bird watcher, at least for a little bit, Okay. I want you to pay attention to the birds. Okay, Jesus, what do you want us to see when we look at the birds? Okay, here it is. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. You don't see birds out, you know, planting seeds or harvesting seeds. They don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father, let's say it together, your heavenly Father feeds them. He feeds them. This is a present tense verb from the original Greek language. He's feeding them. Like, as Jesus was teaching this, he's like, he's feeding them right now as I'm speaking to you. And, and, and he's feeding them right now as I'm speaking to you. It was interesting this week, I looked up, like, how many birds are there in the world? There's an estimated 400 billion, billion birds on planet Earth. That's like 60 birds for every one human being, okay? Lots of birds. All, all these birds, 400 billion of them. God takes care of them every day, every single day. Their birds are never sitting on the wire going, I wonder what we're going to eat today. I'm, you know, like, 
I'm scared to death. You know, Jesus said you could learn a thing or two from watching the birds. There is like a zero percent rate of anxiety with birds. Birds don't have anxiety. They're like they're good. And what is Jesus' point behind this whole bird part of the message? Here it is. We have less reason to worry than creation, which doesn't worry at all. He's saying to you and I, he's saying, listen, I care more about you than the birds. Let me, let's go back to the verse. I'm not sure I, I finished reading the last part of this. Are you not much more, let's say it together, are you not much more valuable than they? You are the crown of God's creation. He cares more about, he likes the birds, he cares about the birds, but he loves you. He's crazy about you. He's saying, if I care that much about, and I take that good care of the birds, how much more am I committed to taking care of you? I, I, I'm, I'm committed to you. Now, this is interesting, the, the next verse, let's take a look at that next verse. It says, can any one of you, by worrying, let's say it together, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. And of course, it's a rhetorical question. Is he speaking to a crowd? The implied answer is no. Thank you for that amen back there. <laughs> you cannot add an hour to your life. Some translations, you cannot add a cubit to your height. He said it doesn't add any value. And if it doesn't add any time to the overall length of your life, it doesn't add any value back to your life, then you need to come to the conclusion quickly, this is not what life is all about. This is not what God meant for you to live the abundant life, to live as a flourishing child of God, is not to worry. So, he, he goes back to the issues now. He's going to talk about clothes and food, but I want you to substitute those in your own mind with whatever it is in the future you're most concerned about. Let's take a look here, verse 28. He says, And why do you worry about your clothes and see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, which is just really interesting. Now he shifts from birds to um, kind of wild vegetation, just flowers just growing out in the field, Right? They do even less than birds. <laughs> they need even more help than birds. They're planted somewhere. They can't move. They can't go anywhere, but they grow. Both of them, the birds grow, the plants grow. And what's interesting is that they both make provision for the future. The plants have a way of dropping seeds for the next generation of plants to come behind them. The birds build nests for their eggs, for their young, for the future. There's planning for the future. There's no stress over it. There's no worry about the future. It's okay. It's built into them to do this. But he's saying, listen, look even at the grass of the field that has a very short lifespan, by the way. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the most wealthy and successful king of all of the Jewish history, all of the Hebrew history, he says, Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field with such extravagant beauty, when you look at the intricacy of a flower, look at how much love and care and intricacy God put into that. It's crazy. He says, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? And I love this, how he says, he says, will he? Again, he's talking about the future. He's saying, here's where your concern is. Will he not much more clothe you? You of, let's say it together, you of little faith. 
wherein Jesus says, here's the real issue, faith. The word that maybe would be translated uh, more literally for us is trust. It's trust. It's trusting God. Belief, faith, trust. Those all are interchangeable. Much of the teaching of Jesus. It's, it's, he's saying, look, the big problem, the big issue is you just don't trust God very much. You, you trust Him very little, especially with the future. You do not believe, deep down in your heart of hearts, that God is waiting for you tomorrow, whatever tomorrow represents for you. That's why you're so worried. And because you don't believe, you really believe that God is waiting for you and for your children and for those you love in the future, then you take tomorrow's trouble and you drag it into today. And then you take all the trouble from today and stack that on your back. And then you put another layer of tomorrow's trouble. And it's like you're trying to squat like a thousand pounds. Guess what? That is going to take a toll on your body. The knees are going to start giving out the back. You're not going to be able to keep your form very well. I'm telling you, there is so many parallels to how people, there's so many of you living like this all the time, and you're like, I don't know why I can't catch my stride. I can't believe I'm not, I can't do what I used to do. You're just carrying around a 1,000 pounds of worry all the time about all kinds of things. And some of it's not even yours. You're carrying it for other people. It's just weighting you down. And Jesus says, really, it's a, it's a trust issue. I'm telling you, are you going to trust your worry? Are you going to trust your God? It's really it. It's going to come down to this. And he's, he, he goes on to say in verse 31, he says, so do not worry. I love this. Like knowing all that Jesus knows about worry and what it's doing to us. He says, so don't worry. Like, whatever you have to do, do whatever it takes to stop letting this be a dominant habit in your life, because it is literally sucking the life out of you. It is. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? I See, again, it's the future. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He says, for the pagans, what do they do? They run after all these things. Pagans, simply put, are those who do not trust God. It was a catch-all term for all kinds of other religions and idol worship. and it's, it's simply someone who's put their trust in something or someone else. And that something or someone else could be themselves. I'm gonna, I'll figure it out. I got this. I'm going to be my own functional Savior. I'm going to be my own functional Messiah. Good luck with that. You're going to wind up being crushed under the weight. It's going to hurt you. You're not created. You're not designed to live under that kind of weight. I love this. So run after. This word literally means to seek diligently, to desire, to seek diligently, to desire. I'm pointing this out because this same verb will be used later when Jesus shows us how to leverage that for God. And then Jesus uh, begins to lay out for us a promise that we need to hold on to and never forget. In verse 32, he says, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows the stuff that you need tomorrow. He knows the worries that you carry with you about tomorrow to, to the future, what those things are. And my question for you today is, do you really believe and trust that? Do you? Because if you do, think about how that would actually change your life. 
how it, we begin to, last week I challenged you to think about what would life be like if you were fearless? You weren't afraid anymore. What would it be like if you were worryless? You just didn't worry anymore. You weren't careless. You weren't naive and stupid. You were trusting of God, and you're going to do the best what you have every day. You're going to get up and do your, and you're going to plan for the future. You're not going to worry about it. What would that, what, for many of us, would be like, I would be a radically different guy, a different woman. I would be a radically different person. It changed everything. And Jesus now gives us a, a radically different approach to this whole idea of worry. Here's what he says in verse 33. Some of you have heard this before. He says, but, let's say it together, but seek first, but seek first. Before anything else, when worry starts coming on, there's a temptation to worry Here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek first. Here's that verb again. If we saw it with the pagans was to run after, here it's translated seek. It means to desire, to look for, to demand before anything else. I love that. And the demand you're placing on, uh, you're placing here is on yourself. It's saying before anything else, I'm going to seek this first. What was it he asked us to seek first? He says, I want you to seek first his kingdom. His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, listen, I want you to put God first. I want you to make kingdom concerns first in your mind. If we could sum up what Jesus has said so far, here's what He's saying. He's saying, when you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow... I love rhymes, by the way. Don't you? I love rhymes. Here, so I tried to make one. All right. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what God's doing today. Kind of rhymes. Okay. Close enough. If, if I was a rapper, it would totally work. Okay. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for a way to participate in God, what God's doing today. All right? That's right. That's what he's saying. Resist it. The moment you start feeling like, I want to borrow from tomorrow, I want to rob the worries from tomorrow and drag them into today, stop and say, God already knows what I need. He's already there waiting for me. You see, God doesn't move through time like we do. He is already looking at time like we look at a ruler or a yardstick or something. He's there already. He's waiting for us. He's got this. We don't got this. He's got this. We can trust Him. I love that. And then he comes to this wonderful conclusion, verse 34. He says, therefore, therefore, do not worry about, let's say it together, about tomorrow. Jesus, in one word, sums up everything you and I worry about. It's tomorrow, isn't it? Well, no, it's really the kids. Well, it's, yeah, but it's tomorrow, really. It's, it's, well, it's a finance. Well, it's about what the finances are going to look like tomorrow. It's what your marriage is going to look like tomorrow, your career, the advancement you're hoping for, all of that tomorrow. What's down the road? What could be? What if? Hypotheticals? We don't know for sure. He's saying, listen, therefore, don't worry. Just refuse to. Guess what? Jesus is showing us you and I have a choice. We're not locked into a rut where you just have to worry and there's no choice in the matter. He's showing us you get to choose what you focus on. And what you focus on, what you focus on, we looked at this last week, you begin to magnify. You begin to magnify. You focus on your problems, you will magnify your problems. You focus on your God, you'll begin to focus on your God, will magnify your God, and your problems will begin to shrink. It's amazing. 
Ultimately, Jesus is saying, why smuggle tomorrow's trouble into today's trouble? That makes no sense. Would you ever give that kind of advice to somebody? But most of us live by that advice every day. He's saying, stop living like that. That is a crazy maker. No wonder so many people are crippled and struggling internally, barely making it many days, because they are carrying way too much. They're smuggling all this trouble into today. It's too much. You need God's help. And I'm telling you today, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, for this teaching alone, you should consider following the Lord Jesus Christ to have a God, a Savior, that can hold this stuff, and it's not even heavy to Him. It's not even an issue. He's got it. You see, your Heavenly Father is with you today, and He'll be waiting for you tomorrow. This is what Jesus wants you to see. He's with you today, and He'll be waiting for you tomorrow. It's okay. When you start worrying, I would just stop yourself and say, I'm worrying right now. I'm going to remind myself, God knows exactly what I need. He's with me today, and He'll be with me tomorrow. I'm worrying again. I'm worrying again. Wait, wait. I'm worrying. God knows exactly what I need. He's with me today. He'll be with me tomorrow. That's what Jesus taught. That is the gospel truth. Jesus is saying, listen, until you're willing to trust this, you will be in the category of little faith. And those with little faith can expect to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And as you begin to offload that onto God, you will notice it will start to feel lighter and lighter. Again, it's not overnight successful story thing. It's not going to happen in a flip of a switch. It's going to take time. It's beautiful that Jesus continued to teach this principle over and over and over, even right down to the very end of his public ministry, the night before or the night of his arrest and his crucifixion, he gathers together his believers, his followers, and he shares with them one more time. In the Gospel of John chapter 14, he says this, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't be troubled because I'm telling you what's about to happen next. You're going to be tempted to be very troubled, right? But he's offering this peace, and the only way to receive this peace is through trust, through faith. And guess what? Right down to this very moment as I speak to you, it's the same way we receive the peace of Jesus. It's through faith. It's through trust. That's how we engage with it, right down to today. And what's beautiful, 32 years later, after this moment in history, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians that are under massive persecution for their faith. They're being murdered. They're being beaten. They're being driven out of their homes, all manner of things in the Philippi area. And Paul had been through all kinds of persecution himself. And he's saying, let me share with you some things that God has taught me. In this Philippian letter, chapter 4, starting with verse 5, here's what he tells this group of Christians that are under massive persecution. If you would, read the highlighted words with me again. He says, the Lord is near. First of all, here's the thing I want you to know. God's not far away. He's not distant. He is right here in the thick of this. He, He is in the real world, right in the middle of real pain, real struggle. He's here in the middle of this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, like make time to bring the stuff that's on your heart, that's burdening you, that's worrying you, that's got you anxiety-ridden, bring it to God, petition it to God with thanksgiving, thanking Him for what He is doing for you. Present your request to God. And here it is again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Humans are, it's not going to, it's not calculable. It's not logical. It doesn't fit with the circumstance. You will see people that have peace who are following Jesus in the middle of a storm of life where you say, nobody should have peace in the middle of that maelstrom, that mayhem, all that junk going on. And she or he is demonstrating amazing peace. He says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will, what will it do? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But he goes on to say, so let me get even more practical about how you do this. What is the next big step for many of you in this room that you need to begin to do starting today? Here it is. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Put it into practice. Start doing it. Every day, make God's kingdom concerns your concerns. When you start worrying, let that be like a light on the dashboard to say, it's time to shift over. Who can I encourage today? Who can I write? Who can I call? Who can I bless? Who can I like, God, help me, show me who I can be a part of building your kingdom today. He says, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, in an effort to replace the lies and the worries with the truth, uh, my wife Leslie and I are making available to you on our website a place where you can go and get verses just to get you started. Now, you may find verses you like way better than these. Wonderful. Use those, okay? But right here, if you go to the watch part of our, our website, brazosfellowship.com, and look under Sever Anxiety, and this blue clickable link right here of Sever Anxiety Verses, if you'll click on that, we put together a series of verses that answer some very common anxiety questions that we have about ourselves before God Everything from questioning our own worth to where is God in the what ifs. And, and I really believe these, were, these are verses that directly Le Leslie has said, these have been tremendously helpful for me. I think they could be really helpful for someone else. And they're also verses that have, have been huge in my life as well. And for those of you who would like to have it directly sent to your phone, if you would just text BF series to 97000, we'll just send it to you. We'll make it even easier. You don't even have to go to the website. So and if at any point, um, we will send out texts every week that go along with the message that will encourage you and help you to take those next steps. And if at any point you want to get off of that, you just let us know and we'll, we'll take you off. It'd be very easy for you to get on or off. Use that resource, though, if you would. But to, to, to wrap up, I want to just say Jesus taught us worry is like prayer in reverse, as I said earlier. When we worry, we magnify our problems. But when we pray, we shrink them. Jesus is saying, in light of all that I've taught you about worry, run from worry. Do whatever you can to guard your heart against worry. And when it starts creeping its way in, you get adamant about 
I mean, demand that God's truth take first place. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. Because ultimately, the issue is, are you going to trust your worry or God? Are you going to trust His word? And and the question I would ask you is, what has worry ever done for you? For most of us, if we're brutally honest, what worry has done for us is it's, it's whittled away at the quality and length of our life. It's hurt us. It's hurt people that we've loved, that we do love. It's not helped us. And Jesus is trying to provide us a way out. Here's the application prayer. I'm, I'm asking you to pray with me today, simply saying, Jesus, help me to realize worry is about tomorrow, and you are already, you already know what I need and are waiting for me tomorrow. Help me to participate in what you are doing today. Help me to engage in your word today. Help me to be available to build other people up today. Get the focus off of me and onto how I can help be a part of what God is doing all around me. Man, it will radically change the perspective, trajectory, and the momentum, the way you feel, the the load and the burden that you carry. It will radically change so much about you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.